Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. baptism on water baptism we're going to continue that here today and so if you will you can turn uh, to the book of mark mark chapter 16 and also acts chapter number two last week we started talking about water baptism we'll endeavor to finish that up today and next week we'll start talking about the holy ghost <laughs> we'll start talking about the holy ghost so mark chapter 16 We've already started talking about why you should be baptized, how you should be baptized. And so we're going to continue in the vein of how you should be baptized this morning according to the word of the Lord. Mark 16 and verse number 15, the Bible says, And he, and that's that he there is in reference to Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned acts 2 verses 37 and 38 on the day of pentecost are these recorded words now when they heard this the multitude there that was gathered at the feast of pentecost they were pricked in their heart and said unto peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then peter said unto them repent be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So thus far in our discipleship series, we have talked about the word of the Lord. We've talked about faith and repentance, and we are now have been talking about water baptism. We want to continue talking about that today, uh, the how, if you will, how we ought to be baptized according to the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray this morning because these, these topics that we are talking about here over the past few weeks and for weeks to come, are some of the uh, elementary foundational stones of the church, of the word of the Lord. And so it's important uh, that these stones, foundation stones, just like in the literal building, that they are right because all the rest of the building is dependent upon it. Everything else that we build from here out is dependent upon it. So it's, it's important, you know, that this thing's square, if that makes sense this thing is, is square. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. We're so thankful, Lord, and to you. And we're grateful, Lord, for another opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. We're grateful, Lord, for your people that have gathered together today. We pray, Lord, that you would touch their hearts and their lives. God, open our mind and understanding to your word today. God, let your word, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, God, bring understanding. Lord, shine a light, God, up on the areas, God, that may be, Lord Jesus. Lord, great to us that they would be enlightened. And Lord, understanding would come, Lord, through and by your word. God, it is profitable for reproof and doctrine, Lord Jesus, instruction and righteousness. I pray, oh, God, we need all of that today, Lord, in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. And so we started talking about how we should be baptized. Last week, we emphasized the importance of, 
of the name to a certain degree, uh, how the name of Jesus, there is ultimate power within that name. And we shared several different scriptures that illustrated the power that's in the name of Jesus, whether it was uh, the healing of the sick or the casting out of unclean spirits uh, and so on and so forth that underscores the power that is in that is in the name. Uh, we also looked at certain places of scripture where uh, the name of the Lord or Jesus Christ that was, was integral for the remission and the removal of sins. Amen. So also places in scripture where he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord or in the name of the Lord Jesus. We had no problems with them saying be baptized in the name of the Lord because Saul on his way to Damascus got that revelation when uh, he heard that voice from heaven and said, why are you persecuting uh, the, the, the Christians? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And that voice said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. That, that Saul got that revelation of who the Lord was, Jesus Christ. So we have no problem when the scripture says to be baptized in the name of the Lord because we understand that means the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we left off last week uh, getting ready to go into then the meaning of the scripture of the gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew 28 and verse number 19. Matthew 28, 19, along with the harmony of the gospels, which uh, the harmony of the gospels, many of them tell uh, similar or the same story, the same story from a different perspective. And so you can find this similar story in the other gospels before uh, the Lord Jesus Christ left and ascended into heaven. But he says in Matthew 28, 19, he's given his disciples a command, giving them instruction. And he tells them, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, everyone say name, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in the name. And it would seem that this over time has proved some controversy, if it will, among religious people. Because some people, and even maybe what I've told you up to this point of time, you would think that the scripture is contradicting everything else that we have already said as to which name we should use in baptism. And what happens is sometimes a misunderstanding of the scripture alone may lead someone to be baptized in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost to believe that God has three names, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that we should call upon those names in baptism. However, let's just look a little closely uh, at this particular verse. If Jesus wanted the disciples to call on three different names, then the statement that's made in Matthew 28 and 19 is very much so grammatically incorrect. Uh, if he wanted them to be baptized in three distinct names, it should have read, that go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the names of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But the word name there also in the Greek is in the singular form. It is in the name. And since the name is singular, it's apparent that the scripture is making reference then to a singular one, one name. And so if that is the case, second, uh, if you look at the words, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, uh, those are not names. Those are by no means what you would refer to as a proper name at all. These are not names, but these are, are titles. A man has every ability of being a father. He has the ability of being uh, a son of, 
of a father. And he also has every individual to some degree. Uh, if we even broke it down to terms like this, he could be a husband. He could be a cousin. He could be an uncle. All of those are not his name, but they are titles that he has, relationships that he has, or roles that he functions in. And if he were to sign a legal document, that legal document would want his name in order for it to enact any power, have any type of legal authority within the system. He would not be able to put down father or son or cousin or husband or any of the titles which he rightfully has, but he would have to put down his name because his name is where the power and the authority is in order to enact a contract or anything of that nature. And so Jesus commanded his disciples, Jesus is talking to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, to be baptized in the name, singular, amen, of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So with that being said, to be baptized in the name of what these three relationships represented or who represented these three relationships. And so when we go to investigate what the name of the Father is, there are other places in Scripture that share with us the name of the Father. The Bible says in John chapter number 5 and verse number 43, you will note if you have a Bible that uses a red letter edition that denotes whenever Jesus is speaking, you will see that right here in John 5 and verse 43. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If that is the statement that Jesus made, then that would tend to uh, indicate to us that the name of the Father then is Jesus. Another place in Scripture of Hebrews chapter number 1 and verse number 4, the Bible says this in the Scripture, being made so much better than the angels as he, the he, if you look up to the verses above that, that he is referencing Jesus Christ being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Brother McGee, what's that got to do with the price of eggs in China at the name of Jesus? Amen. Or the name of the father is Jesus because you get an inheritance from your family. Someone hear me? You get the inheritance from daddy, so to speak. You get the inheritance from daddy. And the Bible says Jesus hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He received, if you will, the inheritance by the name, having the name of his father, Jesus. Another place in scripture, John 14, verses 8 and 9. Philip, one of the disciples, comes to the Lord. Philip says unto the Lord, he's speaking to Jesus Christ. He says, shew us the father and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen the Father, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, shew us the Father? So Jesus even was making claim there, amen, that he told Philip, he said, If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 19 tells us to wit that God, that you would call the Father, that God was in Christ. And so Jesus says, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Amen. Going on, the name of the Son being baptized in the name 
of the Father, then would be in the name of Jesus. Being baptized in the name of the Son, then would be the name of Jesus. 1 John 4 and verse number 15, the Bible says, Whosoever, and this is just the phrase, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. That would go to denote then that the name of the Son is Jesus. All right? Going on to John 20 and verse 31 in the Gospel of John. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son. There it is again, of God. It's telling you plainly who the Son of God is. It is Jesus Christ. Therefore, to baptize in that name would to be baptized in Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 19. Again, very simply, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is telling you who that is. If I were to say, if I were to say Marilyn McGee's son, Paul McGee, I'm telling you that Paul McGee is the son of Marilyn McGee. Right? That, that's the son I'm talking about. And so the son of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you, even by me, Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea. Again, it's telling us that the name of the Son is Jesus. For that matter, Matthew chapter number one, I don't have that up for you guys uh, up there in the media land. I'm sorry about that. Matthew, they had a lot of verses again. Matthew 1 verse 21, the angel of the Lord coming unto Mary, unto Joseph. The Bible says this is what it spoke unto Joseph. And she, speaking of Mary, shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. Someone say amen. The name of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. John 14 and verse 26. Again, this is red letter Bible. Jumping up if you don't have it, color it red. Amen. This is, <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Who's talking? Who's talking? Jesus. He said the Holy Ghost is going to be sent in my name. Right? So the name of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. Colossians 1. Verse 27 says, To whom God would make known that is the, what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Christ in you, the hope of glory he's talking about, is the Holy Ghost that men and women received on the day of Pentecost. It's the Christ, Jesus Christ, in you. That's the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17 the Bible says, now the Lord, we already talked about, Saul already got the revelation. The Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ is what he got the revelation of on the road. Amen to Damascus. Now the Lord, I'm just inserting Jesus Christ because that's who the Lord is. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is that spirit. That spirit, call it Holy Spirit, call it Holy Ghost, call it gift of the spirit. Amen. That Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ. Folks, what we are dealing with then since the name of Matthew 28, 19 is singular, we're not dealing with three different persons that all just happen to have the same name, Jesus. No, we're dealing with one name that belonged to one person, Jesus Christ, who was the father of creation, the son of redemption, but the Holy Ghost in regeneration for our lives. Amen. Amen. And so whenever Jesus commanded them, 
that they should teach all nations and baptize them in the name. He was speaking of the name Jesus Christ. That's the reason why prior to this, we already looked at Acts 2. We looked at Acts 8. We've looked at Acts 10. We've looked at other places, even the Gospels, where they baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't being disobedient to the Lord. They were fulfilling what they were commanded. They were baptizing in the name. Amen. And they understood that the name of the Father is Jesus, the name of the Son, Jesus, Jesus, all these different roles in relationship all refer to one man, Christ Jesus. And if someone is going to have the power and the authority in their life to take care of the sin issue, it was going to have to happen by the name that had power and control over the sin issue. And that is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so again... It is that singular, that singular name. And you see then the emphasis of this again over and over. For that matter, you can search the scripture from Matthew 28, 19 on. You never see anybody baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But you have a whole lot of occurrences of people being baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus, so on and so forth. Why? They were fulfilling the command, being obedient to the command, amen, of the Lord uh, before he left there in Matthew 28, 19. If anybody was going to understand those 12 that he walked with and talked with and taught along seashores and mountains, divulged three and a half years of his life with, if anybody was going to understand what he was meaning, then those boys understood, and they did. And so that's one reason then as an apostolic church, we still are purporting, teaching, and practicing the apostles' doctrine because they are those who lived, slept, ate with him for those three and a half years, and we're still propelling that, amen, today, the apostles' doctrine because the doctrine that they have is the doctrine that the Lord gave unto them. Can someone say Amen. Amen. So we're just purporting what the Lord gave unto them for that, for that matter. Amen. Uh, just, uh, uh, it's the truth of God's word. Even if it weren't coming from an apostle, if you read God's word, amen, it's just the truth of God's word. Amen. Jesus Christ, so Jesus Christ came in his father's name. Jesus received his name by inheritance. Therefore, the name of the father is Jesus. Since the Holy Ghost within us is actually Christ in us or Jesus Christ in us, then that spirit that dwells in us is also Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is that one singular name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost that we are commanded to be baptized in. And so whenever you baptize in the name of Jesus, you have denoted that relationship and role of Father. When you baptize in the name of Jesus, you denote and you honor that relationship of the Son. And likewise, that of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. For that matter, the name, the name is used for, for everything which the name covers. Right? Whenever you say my name, it, it covers everything that I am in essence. Amen. Good and bad. <laughs> Good and bad for me. That's for me only. Well, maybe for you too, but I'm just saying it covers all the good and bad. So there is, again, no baptism record in the scripture with Father, Son, and Holy Ghost that was ever spoken or evoked over a candidate in the word of the Lord. And so after hearing in person the baptism command, the apostle Peter then obeyed the command, even in Acts, in our, in our first reading of Acts chapter number 2, by telling them what they needed to do, that they should repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the remission of your sins. Nobody called Peter out. No one took him aside and said, listen, here, you missed it, buddy. That's not what he said. No, that's what was commanded. Be baptized in the name. And Peter was obedient and telling others, then it is the name Jesus Christ. Amen. So the thing is, then, why then uh, is there today seemingly uh, the different schools of, of opinion, you might say, or different schools, even among religiosity uh, over the baptism formula of how you should be baptized? And I will tell you this. Amen. If you look back through the history of it, that people are using a more modern lens of baptism, uh, different from the original there has been alterations and changes by men, and that has become the predominant then way that people have done things. But that was not the original way. But as a result of, you know, second you know, century or, or so on and so forth, ideas and ideologies, people have kind of taken that lens and looked through things. The book of Acts records that the history of the original church and even through his disciples, they fulfilled the Great Commission by baptizing exclusively in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But during the second century, uh, a good long time after the apostles have already come by and baptized a lot of people, uh, men had come and changed the formula for water baptism to just plainly Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let me just share just with you today just a few uh, historical records that you may even be able to, you could probably go to your library, pick up and find for yourself. In the Britannica Encyclopedia, the 11th edition, volume 3, page 365, to be exact, it states, baptism was changed from the name Jesus to the words Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in the second century. The Caney Encyclopedia of Religion, page 53, says the early church baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus until the second century. The Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion, volume 2, page 377, states, and I quote, Christian baptism was administered using the words in the name of Jesus. Uh, page 389 of the same book, it states baptism was always in the name of Jesus until the time of Justin Martyr. The Catholic Encyclopedia, volume 2, page 263 states the authors of this encyclopedia state that the baptism formula was changed by the Catholic Church. Shafe Herzon, amen, religious encyclopedia, volume 1, page 435 states the New Testament knows only the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Hastings Dictionary of the Bible, page 88. It must be acknowledged that the threefold name of Matthew 28, 19 does not appear to have been used by the primitive church, but rather in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus. Now, those are just six historical books, references, amen, that you can go to. I didn't say it. They said it. Amen. That there was Evidently, a change in the form of baptism from the original that was according to the apostles that heard the teachings of Jesus, excuse me, of Jesus Christ. So with that being said, and I say this with all respect and delicacy here this morning, the baptism formula in the name of Jesus then, amen, is the original. And to use titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is really an invention of men. And it's not supporting them the word of the Lord. And even historical record tells us, amen, that there was this alteration and this change. Well, since that was in the second century and we are now where we are at in 2020, 
for years, people handing down and looking through that lens, many times they don't go back far enough. They just accept what's traditionally been handed to them. And so I challenge you by God's word to go back to the beginning and see what the scripture says. So those are some of the things about the, the how to be baptized. But when should you be baptized? Someone say when. When should I be baptized, Brother McGee? Amen. Well, there are some things that, uh, that need to take place according to the word of the Lord before you're baptized. Again, Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 2 says, and Therefore, leaving, which doesn't mean to abandon, but basically to go on, uh, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms. I told you last week, the baptisms are plural there because it's referring to the baptism of water and the baptism of the spirit. But he says, you, you're going to have, you're going to have repentance from dead works first, and then you'll go on to baptism. And so it is absolutely a prerequisite to have repented of your sins before you get baptized in Jesus' name. For that matter, if we go all the way back to faith and repentance, it is absolutely necessary that you must believe or have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, before you are baptized in Jesus' name. Otherwise, you will not have no belief or faith that that's going to do anything for you. Right? The Bible says in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth, everybody say, and... And is, and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Acts 8 and verse number 12, the revival that was taking place at Samaria. The Bible says, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Their, their belief, amen, uh, was a prerequisite or happened before their baptism. Colossians 2 and verse number 12, the Bible says that we should be buried with him, Jesus Christ, in Baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who have raised him from the dead. So, yes, there needs to be belief. And, yes, we must repent. It is the words of Peter of Acts 2.38. I know some of these scriptures we've hit already several times. We're going to hit them several more before we get out of here. But he told them to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Amen. And he had a very designated, if you will, order to what he was speaking. In Luke 24, whenever Jesus, amen, is talking to his disciples before he is to leave them in a sin, he says and he puts the order that repentance and remission of sins, referring to their baptism, should be preached in his name. Amen. And so also with our belief, there comes a confession, amen, about Jesus Christ about who he is for us, for some places of scripture of believing the gospel and turning away from our sin and turning toward the Lord, that he's someone that we're going to follow. And you guys don't have those up there today because I'm just going to run through them and they already had a big list anyway. And Matthew 10, 32, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore confess me before men, will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And with the mouth confession is made in salvation. First John 4, 15, whosoever shall confess Jesus is the son of God. God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Acts 8, verse 36 through 38. I'll just pull the phrase. And he answered and said, the, the, the man of the eunuch said, he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He made confession, amen, of his belief in Jesus Christ. Amen. So confession is made. Repent is done 
belief happens. All of these being headway, going to the waters of baptism. Someone say amen. And it doesn't hurt. I try to talk to people before I baptize them. Amen. What we are doing, why we're doing it. They have somewhat understanding what they are going through with some type of little knowledge or understanding the why and how. Amen. Of baptism and what baptism does for us. Again, it's more. It's not going down dry and coming up wet. Amen. Again, although scripture doesn't tell everything that was told, no doubt, between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, what was taught, because the Bible says that Philip just began to preach to him Jesus. Again, something must have happened because he realized when they passed water, see here is water, what hindereth me to be baptized. Amen. And this same eagerness to be buried with Christ in water baptism needs to be present with us that have repented, have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and seek after the Lord. Amen. Here's one thing. We should be baptized even if we've already received the Holy Ghost. Scripture tells us that as well. Whenever Peter went to preach in the house of Cornelius, and while he yet spoke those words in Acts 10, that they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's after that that Peter does not say, I suggest it if you want to. He commands them in Acts 10. And let me read it. Acts 10 verses 44 through 48. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that's the Jews, which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles, that's Cornelius and his household, also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues. We'll look at that in weeks to come. How did they know they had the Holy Ghost? Because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? In other words, they've received the Holy Ghost. They also need to be baptized. Look now, he doesn't suggest it. He doesn't say if you want to, but he commands them. He commands them as an apostle. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So Peter says, you've received the Holy Ghost. That's great. But you need, it's necessary, it's essential that you be baptized. So just having the Holy Ghost alone wasn't enough. They needed baptism as well, along with their repentance, along with their faith, along with all of these steps, if you will, for their salvation. Can someone say amen? I'm so glad I was buried in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, right? And so it's, it's in that very moment. Can I even tell you? That there's no reason why to wait for baptism. And what I mean is this, and I understand, and there's nothing wrong with it. I know you want Uncle Bob and Aunt Sally and so on and so forth to be here for your baptism. And that's all fine and great. But you don't have to wait for anybody. You can be baptized in Jesus' the name whenever that pricks your heart. The Philippian jailer, remember, Paul and Silas had sung praises and prayed. It was at midnight. Midnight. And in that same night, when they were released from jail and got the stripes washed off their back, that same night, the Philippian jailer and his household were baptized. So it doesn't matter. It don't have to be daytime. It can be nighttime. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. It could be a Monday. Whenever the Lord moves upon you and you feel that conviction and that need for baptism, then, son, we do it. We've, I've come here sometimes and I've baptized somebody and it's just been me and my wife and that person because they needed baptized. 
Amen. We've done it on a Sunday night. We've set a schedule for people's families to get there. But let me just tell you, you don't have to wait on anything. There's hot water back here right now. We don't even have to wait to the end of a service. Repentance with your baptism is a removal, a releasing of the sins. Let, let me just put it in, in terms for you. In the Old Testament, whenever all of the plagues were being brought upon the children of Israel, one of the plagues that were brought upon the children of Israel was frogs. There were frogs in their ovens, frogs in their beds, frog in their homes, frog here, frog there, frog everywhere, frog, frog. I mean, it was old McDonald's farm. There are frogs everywhere. And so Moses at many times were instrumental with Pharaoh about releasing the pestilence or the, the plague from them. He went to Pharaoh. He said, because Pharaoh was wanting released to this. He said, Pharaoh, when do you want me to ask that these frogs will leave the land? You know what Pharaoh said? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Can you imagine having all these frogs in your home, in your oven, in your bed, and have this problem and say, you know what? Moses asked God about it tomorrow. Folks, whenever you delay in your baptism, you're just basically telling God, God, we'll deal with this remission of sin thing tomorrow. Well, amen. You, folks, today, the Bible says in the New Testament, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the acceptable time. Amen. Let's go on a little bit further. These are just some other uh, truths or concepts that center around water baptism. Again, and I think we made mention of this, particularly uh, the mode of, of sprinkling. You don't find that in, in the scripture. Uh, there's always much water. They both went down into the water. They come up out of the water. But again, there is no scriptural evidence in the Bible, where infant was ever baptized. There's no scriptural command even for infants to be baptized. For that matter, let's think here for a moment. If leading up to your baptism, you need to exercise belief and faith, how does a child that's just been born from its mother's womb exercise anything like that at that stage of their life? They can't. They can't. For that matter, they can't repent of their sins. They, they can't. There's nothing. You say, well, they're just a child. Yeah, but we're born into sin. David said, my mother conceived me in that. I was shaped in iniquity. Amen. So and there's no way to confess any faith in God. For sure, no way to understand what's taken place. Nothing. And then there's other scriptures where the Bible proclaims how Jesus went down to the Jordan and he was baptized of John the Baptist. And he was baptized. There's something you must understand about Jesus' baptism. Jesus' baptism came so that all, John in particular, would know that he was God manifested in the flesh. That he was the man. Because the Spirit already spoken to John said that there's going to be one that comes. You're going to baptize him. And when you do, a dove's going to descend upon him. Right. And by this, all Israel's going to know that this is the man that you've been preaching of, that I baptize you with water. But there's one coming whose shoes that I'm not going to be able to latch that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He says, by this, 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 by this sign, 
He said, you're going to know who that individual is by that dove that is descending upon him. Because we all know Jesus Christ, although tempted in all points like we are, the scripture says, he was without sin. And so the, 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 the thought is this, if he's without sin, then why would he need to be baptized again? It was for the revelation of who he was among them, that he was God in the flesh. He was the one to come to baptize with Holy Ghost and with power. He came to fulfill all righteousness. Not only that, he's setting a good example for us. He's setting a good example for us. Amen. Uh, and no doubt again, signifying that he is the redeemer and he is the mediator. Amen. In our lives. For that matter, also being baptized for Jesus was an indication of him being our great high priest. Because under the Mosaic law, under the law of Moses, which is still in act in the Gospels, under the law of Moses, it was mandatory for the high priest to have his flesh washed in water. It was part of their ordination of the priesthood. And so Jesus, going to serve as our high priest, then goes through the very things that the law required, amen, a washing, amen, for his ordination of priesthood in our lives, amen. And remember, though, he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law, hallelujah. And so he did a good example for us, amen, with, with being baptized. But here was the difficulty of John's baptism. The Bible states plainly that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, that's what it says. It was a baptism of repentance, amen, and a confession, if you will, of sins. Mark 1, verses 3 through 5. Here's what the Bible says. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all of the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. So John's baptism was just a baptism of repentance, people confessing their sins. And that's great. That's great. That, 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 that's needful. Amen. But John's ministry and baptism really was a bridge between the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Covenant. The New Testament, because John's ministry in reality was he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah, of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so his message included repentance and his message included a baptism of repentance, but it did not include the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It did not include the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because in John 7, the Bible says, I believe verse 39-ish, somewhere around there, 36, 39, around there, the Holy Ghost was not yet given, the Bible says, because Jesus was not yet crucified. So the Holy Ghost couldn't be given until Jesus was crucified. That's the reason why you only see the outpouring of people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost until Acts 2, because Jesus was already crucified. The Holy Ghost could not come until Jesus left. And when he left, he said, I'll send you the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. And so it could not happen. And so we have the baptism of John into repentance. That's great and fine, but it could do nothing concerning the Holy Ghost. It could only happen after Jesus, amen, died, buried, resurrected, and ascended unto heaven. Amen. 
So on the day of Pentecost, or even post-resurrection, we might say, the baptism of, of John was made ineffectual. Mm-hmm. Because from there forth, everybody's commanded to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. And John even knew that this day was going to come because he constantly told even his own disciples in John 3 and verse 30, he said, speaking of Jesus, that he must increase and I must decrease. This is so evident, not any greater evidence of this than in Acts chapter number 18 and Acts chapter number 19. Because Paul insisted upon the rebaptizing of a group of people because they had only been baptized according to John's baptism. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24, and I'm going to do some skipping around here. The Bible says, and a certain Jew named Apollos, this guy had come to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the ways of the Lord. He, Apollos, only knew the baptism of John, all right? And it came, and it came to pass that Paul, that whenever he came to Ephesus, he found certain disciples. This is in Acts 19, that he found certain disciples and said to them, unto what then were ye, were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, look what John would say, I'm baptizing your repentance, that they should believe on him which should come after him. You know what John is saying? This is good for now. But there's a change coming. Believe on him that is to come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. John's baptism was great for the dispensation of the Mosaic law in the Gospels. But after the Lord has been buried resurrected and ascended to heaven, the message is be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so if you've been baptized in John's baptism, you need to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ in order for sins to be remitted. Someone say amen. Again, we begin, we talked about this a little bit over the past weeks. When does remission of sins then really occur? Does it happen at our repentance? Does it happen at our baptism? I'll tell you, it happens a little bit at both. In other words, it is a process. It's something that has started in your repentance. It is something that is completed in your baptism. Amen? <laughs> I mean, if you were, when, 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 it, when is the physical birth of a baby? When does that really happen? Is it when it comes forth from its mother's body? Is it when the umbilical cord is cut? Is it when the first breath is actually drawn into its lungs of its accord? What are you saying? I'm saying natural birth in, in real essence, I guess, is somewhat of a process. Amen. So the birth, spiritual birth, amen, is a process. So both repentance and baptism, both part of the same process of forgiveness, of the same process of remitting and removing your sins. It is, it is improper to assume one or the other is just sufficient on its own. I've repented, it's good. Or I've just been baptized, it's good. No, you need to repent and be baptized. Amen. Someone say amen. So, we should not receive baptism until we believe, until we repented. 
confess Jesus Christ as the Lord in our lives. But once we've been obedient to all these things, we need to, and I, I emphasize, emphasize this, you need to immediately, at your next available occasion, go to the waters of baptism, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm assuming that we're getting close to time. Well, I'll close with this because this will just set us up, I guess, for next week. Next week, we'll start talking about the Holy Ghost. But baptism is absolutely a privilege. It is a blessing. It is a responsibility. And it is the decree of Jesus Christ. It is the command of the apostles. And it's the example that was established by the first church in the book of Acts. It is just as an essential part of our new birth experience of water and spirit as is our repentance or the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It is that spiritual washing that brings with it the remission of our sins. It marks us as recipients of the new covenant of being a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's in that that we do identify then with the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ and we take on the saving name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so in light then of all of that, even as Paul, Saul did, respond to the words of Ananias who commanded, and now why tarriest thou be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on or the invoking of the name of the Lord. If you can stand with me today, if you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, According to Pastor McGee, but according to the Bible, you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to exercise your faith. You need to repent. You need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'd hope you would give that consideration. Amen. Here today. Next week, we're going to start talking about, amen, the Holy Ghost. We're going through these steps of salvation. Again, we start talking about the word being the premise from which we springboard everything that we teach and preach. And we've went from faith and repentance to water baptism. Next week, we're going to talk about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's bow our heads here today. Father, I come to you right now. God, we need you, Jesus, this morning. I pray, oh, Lord God, nothing can wash away my sin, God, except, Lord, that name and that blood, Lord, that was shed at Calvary. I pray, oh, Lord, today that you would speak and minister, God, to the hearts and the souls of the people, Lord, that are sitting here today. God, you're able to deal with them, Lord, to search the scriptures, Lord, to be Berean people, Lord, as the book of Acts 17, Lord, speaks the Bereans, Lord, that went and sought out, Lord, those things that were spoken and weighed them against, Lord, the law and weighed them against, Lord, God, the scriptures, I pray, oh, Lord, minister, God, to them today. God, bring to that moment, Lord, of clarification, Lord, for their hearts and lives. I pray, oh, God, and Lord, a desire, God, to believe and be baptized in your name. Lord, God, for the remission and removal and release, God, of sins today. We'll not fail to thank you for it. We're grateful, Lord Jesus, for the plan, God, that you have laid out. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Come back tonight. Also. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.